Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Rhythm Encounter, RPG Fans Music Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and that's maybe not the same Mike that you're used to. But uh, I am here today in place of Mike Salbato to discuss the music of Bravely Default and Bravely Second, joined by two excellent co-hosts, starting with John O'Logan. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? And also Caleb Curry. Hello for the first time. That's right, yeah. Um, Caleb, this is your first time appearing on Rhythm Encounter. I think, I think you have been on various other encounters on this website, though, right? Yeah, I've jumped on a couple retros by now, but this is my first Rhythm. Excellent. And this is my first time hosting Rhythm. I've been on a couple uh, Rhythms, both um, pre- and post-its hiatus, but uh, this is the first time hosting it, and I'm glad that you can all share in my anxiety right now. Um, uh, it's glorious, Mike. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I am nervous and anxious in all of those great adjectives right now, but I am excited to talk about Bravely Default and Bravely Second, um, two 3DS games um, put out by Square Enix and Silicon Studio in the early 2010s. Um, they are particular favorites of mine, and they both have really, really killer soundtracks. Uh, but even more appropriate for having this episode about Bravely is that it, the third game in the series, Bravely Default 2, yes, it's confusing, third one is called 2, I, I know, uh, comes out in late February. And we're recording this episode in mid-February, but uh, Bravely Default 2 should be out in the wild by the time this podcast um, reaches the light of day. So all three of us may be playing bravely default 2 when this podcast launches but for now we're going to refer to bravely default 2 in the future tense let's talk about what we know and love about the bravely games already uh these games the bravely default came out um in japan on the 3ds in 2012 and then worldwide in 2014 bravely second followed a couple years later in 2016 and both games are basically uh turn-based rpgs with job systems and certain uh like visual and name choices influenced by uh classic Final Fantasy games especially Final Fantasy 3 and Final Fantasy 5 and i uh latched onto them immediately i got a 3ds slightly late my uh, i got a 3ds in 2014 and believe me bravely default was one of the first 3 games i owned for the system and i uh, it enchanted me immediately um uh, starting with you Jono, uh what's your uh, background with bravely a little bit I came to it. I came to the series uh, pretty late, actually. I only played uh, the first two last year, um, and uh, I instantly fell in love with them. They reminded me so much of uh, my memories of playing uh, classic SNES Final Fantasy games. I felt that the brilliance of it was playing them. It felt very nostalgic, but it didn't feel like a retread. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was uh, uh, even. I guess remake's the wrong word. What am I looking for? Um, Homage? Maybe? Yeah, it, it felt like its own thing, but I felt while I was playing them, like it, a lot of memories were hitting me. Like a lot of that feeling of uh, being wrapped up in that, that big blanket and pretending to be sick and staying home and playing a Final Fantasy game when you were in elementary school. Um, I, had, I had a lot of that when I was playing it. And I, I mean, we'll probably get into this a little, a little bit later, but I mean... I have a huge thing for time travel and parallel universes, so and I didn't know what to expect. So when those aspects of the game came up, it just knocked me on my ass, and I was blown away by them, and I just love them. Um, I understand that others have different opinions about the that particular section of the game, but I personally love it. So it really checked a lot of boxes for me, not the least of which is the music of the game. 
Right on. And uh, uh, Caleb, um, when did you start playing the Bravely games and what are your uh, abridged thoughts on them? Yeah, so I actually, you know, happened to get the Bravely default right when it came out. Um, and at the time, it, you know, we definitely kind of had like a glut of really good turn-based games. And this felt like a return to form, kind of like Jono was talking about. Um but for me, what really made me fall in love with the series was how in-depth the mechanics are. I'm someone who, you know, will get out the spreadsheet and start, like, you know, daydreaming about how to maximize or minimize something. And this is just, you know, the best you can get <laughs> with that, honestly. There's so much you can do. Um, and then how, you know, so many other features of the game play into those mechanics uh, in a beautiful way. It, you know, it just it's something I can't forget, including the music. So that'll be cool to talk about. Right, and uh, I, I basically agree with both of you. I think that Bravely Default, um, I, I knew it was a game that I wanted the moment I like started hearing news about it when it was out in Japan, uh, and I got my 3DS somewhere in the middle of 2014 and immediately bought uh, Bravely Default and uh, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds, and they remain my two favorite games for the system, I think. But uh, I enjoyed Bravely Default because of its sort of classic um, job system, and how it was a modern reimagining of a lot of old school mechanics that might have felt dated if they were rip, uh, if they were recreated wholesale but things like the brave default system and uh and a lot of the sort of tricks deep into the uh deep into the gameplay systems within each job and uh things like SP and the sort of subversive uh turn that the storyline takes towards the end of, of of both games in the series, but really really resonated with me. Like they, they uh, these uh, on the surface look like Final Fantasy V with a uh, job system reminiscent of like Dragon Quest three, but it it takes all of those uh, classic ideas to unusual extremes, and they both have absolutely excellent soundtracks, which we are here to celebrate uh, over over um, three blocks, uh, two songs per block. Uh, let's just get the Let's get now the intro stuff out of the way and get into the music. Um, uh, Bravely Default was composed by Revo, who is a uh, sort of a a a, uh, a rock orchestra musician. He, um, him, and his group Sound Horizon work on concept albums and elaborate live performances. Uh, and he's probably most famous outside of video games for writing music for the popular anime Attack on Titan. Uh, and then Bravely Second's music was composed by Rio, who, uh, who is a member of a a pop production group called Supercell, and Supercell does a lot of sort of anime music and uh, and and production work for um for cartoons and television. And I believe um, Bravely Second was his first video game uh, project, but uh, but a very successful one at that. So let's talk about the first two songs um, that we're showing off for the podcast: one from Bravely Default and one from Bravely Second. Uh, Jana, what's the first track? The first track is going to be "Ship Soaring Through the Heavens." Uh, which is a fairly descriptive track. If you've ever played an RPG, you probably know what an airship is. Um, and in this particular tune, this is the song you hear when you are soaring through the heavens in a ship. And Caleb, what's our second track? Yeah, uh, my first song is The Grand Ship, a sea shanty, which is by Rio. Uh, it's just one of the most, uh, I guess I'll say, interesting songs in the game, and you'll figure out pretty quickly once you once you hear it. All right, thank you, Jono and Caleb, and listeners, please enjoy Ship Soaring Through the Heavens from Bravely Default and the Grand Ship Sea Shanty from Bravely Second. 
Welcome to episode 64 of Rhythm Encounter. I'm Mike Solosi, and that's maybe a different mic than you're used to. And today we're here to talk all about the music of Bravely Default and Bravely Second, and I am joined by, first of all, Jonathan, oh, sorry, John O'Logan. Hello, all. And also, Caleb Curry. Hello again. Now, uh, Caleb, this is your first time on Rhythm Encounter, isn't it? Yeah, I've uh, been on a couple retros, but this is my first rhythm. Are you sure it's your first rhythm? Yeah, yeah, it's not so? first rhythm. I've... Yeah, I have a list of them ahead of here. This is Caleb's first appearance. I, I checked ahead. I, okay. I, I, uh, I sort of obsessively checked ahead because this is my first time hosting Rhythm, believe it or not. Oh, really? I could have sworn you've oh, – anyway. Yeah, I've, I've hosted like a, like 175 retros or something, but uh, this is my first Rhythm. But uh, listeners, this is also our first Rhythm all about uh, Bravely Default and Bravely Second. And let's uh, start off by talking about um, the first two songs in our block. Uh, Jono, tell us all about Ships Soaring Through the Heavens. Uh, ship soaring through the heavens. Yeah, so this is the airship theme of uh, Bravely Default, and I don't. If if you played the game, of course, you know it. it there's a it's a, a city ship in this in this game. It's not just like a it's not just like a small little airship. Although you get one of those too, um, but this thing is it's a big boat. Um, and uh, when you originally find it, it's just sitting in the ocean. It can't fly. No one even knows that it can fly. And you uh, you go aboard it, and you go down into the uh, the bowels of the ship, and you fix her up, and you uh, you take off, and this becomes your airship uh, for the remainder of the game. And the song that ship soaring through the heavens, it's a essentially it's a it's a variation on a theme, which is something that's you know runs throughout Bravely Default in terms of all of the music, as a matter. But this you know the. Do 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 do. It's the same as the uh, it's the same as the overworld music. It's the same as the uh, music you hear when you are on a sailing ship. But in this particular case, they just really jack it up. They move the tempo up. It feels it feels uh, like you're flying, especially compared to uh, the the sense of adventure from the other ones that you get. This one really pushes you forward, which is a good thing to feel at this particular point in the game. Um, for me, the reason why this is one of the, in my mind, best tracks uh, from Bravely Default is that it might be my favorite, uh, it might be one of my favorite uh, airship themes I've ever heard. Um, much like the rest of Bravely Default, it feels reminiscent of SNES entries of the series in terms of SNES airship themes, but without actually referencing any of their music. It's more of the, the feel of it. Um, and it gives you this. It give it, when I was first playing it, and the first time I heard it, it gave me a a feeling of immense freedom, which is what 
you should feel the first time you get an airship in any RPG. All of a sudden, the whole world opens up to you. Uh, all of these possibilities suddenly appear, and I feel like that is extremely well represented uh, in this particular uh, track. Right on. Um, I think that is almost something you could say about all of Bravely Default, how this feels like a classic RPG soundtrack from 20 or 30 years ago, but uh, reimagined with sort of uh, with the specific uh, uh, sound library of Sound Horizon and with sort of more modern sensibilities. Like, like it, it feels like a classic airship track. It is a great airship track, but it's done so in a way that maybe you know, Uematsu wouldn't have done for a Final Fantasy airship song in the in the SNES or PS1 era. And uh, you, you talked about the um, Bravely Default main motif. Uh, it, it, that's, uh, that song or, like, variations on it are used all over the soundtrack. It's everywhere. Yeah, but with different instrumentations or different tempos or different moods that, uh, that really gives a, a through line for, through the whole soundtrack. And... Um, uh, and, and this version of it is sort of an up-tempo, uh, mostly, I think mostly piano carrying the melody in like the, in like the first part of the loop of the song. And then, uh, and then into sort of more, uh, brighter, um, like, like, uh, brass voices in the second part of the song. But it's, uh, it, it, again, um, whenever that, there's a travel theme in an RPG, whether it's a, a boat theme or an airship theme or a... Or or a uh, or even just a world map theme. I like having a feeling of forward momentum, like like you're traveling quickly or 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 on the way to somewhere. And this communicates that beautifully, and is is uh, one of the real standout tracks of Bravely, Bravely Default. I love this song. Add on to what you guys were saying, how it, it just makes you feel fast, you know. Um, and I, I just really appreciate that. And the traveling theme, uh, you know, in games like this, it can be like physically slow to get anyone. So just feeling fast and free as you do so, it makes such a huge difference. And then the chimes kind of make it, you know, just like fun as you're traveling. It, it's just a really peace, or I think of it as peaceful, like a peaceful, fun track. It gives you that feeling of speed, but not like you're being chased. Like like you're on, like you're on just a. But like like uh, like Jono said, a feeling of freedom, and Caleb said a fe- feeling of speed. This is like a you're just on a great uh, road trip with the wind in your hair kind of feeling. Yeah, and one of the things I really love about the track, and I know it's because obviously this is a track that needs to be looped repeatedly. As long as you're on the airship, you're going to be hearing this. But the way the the way the music is structured is it starts out very very simply with that you know the nice piano, and then it builds and builds and more more instrumentation is laid on top and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it it loops and it goes back to the piano but because of the way the piano is played it doesn't feel like the beginning of the track again it feels if i had to get a mental image it's like if the airship was flying through the air and then it's there were more and more clouds maybe even some storm clouds surrounding it and lightning and things and then when the piano starts it like breaks through the clouds and then you're in free air again yeah that's a hell of a visual but um it's uh, yeah, ships soaring through the heavens. Uh, really, really great uh, travel track, and it, it sort of is a. I mean, it's a bit of a typical plot point within Bravely Default. But uh, for the first half of Bravely Default, you're sort of going from town to town or nation to nation, and sort of righting the wrongs in that area or fixing something, and then moving on to the next area uh, to find the next crystal and you know uh, uh, help on yes on her on her uh, on her quest. But uh, the um, the grand ship section is. Is I don't know if I would call it uh, like a twist or anything, but like um, 
like a ship that's so large and uh, and so populated that it's basically a floating city, and only for it to become a truly floating sky city. And uh, everyone that all the denizens of it seem to uh, embrace it, like, oh, okay, we're a flying ship now. All right, dope, let's go. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, just I don't know, it, 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 like it's a very it's a memorable and fun part of the Bravely Default journey, as well as being a really cool song. Yep, beat sinking. All right, but let's talk about a different kind of ship and a different kind of ship song. Uh, Caleb, tell us about the Grand Ship Sea Shanty version. Yeah, for sure. So I'll start with a little bit of context. Um, so this is one of this is a song that plays during a side quest in Chapter Three. You're revisiting Florum, which is the Flower City, if you guys remember, um, and you go into the the basement where you know Derosa was up to his horrible crime business uh, in the first game. But this time, there's a guy named Rockapeller, and he's like a music scholar who has just unearthed a composition from his uh, particularly famous grandfather, Archipeller. Um, loving the puns, by the way. Anyways, do it, Rockapeller. <laughs> um, you know, he's conflicted about what to do with the piece. Should he, you know, preserve its original intent like his grandfather wanted, or should he you know, modernize it to reach more audiences and help his grandfather's music reach, you know, more people. Uh, and inevitably, like every side quest in Bravely Second, it becomes, you know, a choice between two of the asterisk, ho- asterisk holders. Excuse me. Uh, Barbarossa the Pirate wants the old version. Praline, the performer, wants the new one. Um, and, you know, the song you just listened to is the one that Barbarossa wants. And, you know, I'm not going to assault you with the version that Praline likes, but uh, in the game, the Sea Shanty version is clearly the better choice. Uh, I think Rio intended it that way. It feels like there's a little bit of a negative intent in how hard it is to listen to the Praline version. Yeah, it's no love in the crossfire, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Praline had a had a pretty catchy, fun theme song in Bravely Default, but but her Bravely Second edition is I mean, disappointing, sure. Also, an assault on the senses, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I, j- I just chose this one, you know, for a few reasons. First off, you know, I wanted to choose Rio songs. Uh, you know, a lot of people give Rio flack because, you know, he's not exactly what they expected, having heard Revo in the first game. And I think that's really unfair. I want to give him some shine. Uh, and I chose this particular song because I think it really plays to Rio's talents. Um, you know, he gets some flack for going a little crazy with the guitar riffs. Um, but I think where Rio shines is when he steps outside of that pattern. When he, you know, tries to do something outside of his wheelhouse or something weird or even silly. And for me, this song is the <laughs> epitome of silly in the game. Um, yeah, and, you know, listening to the Bravely Default and Bravely Second track soundtracks back-to-back, you know, this is the one that made me smile the most, so I had to choose it. All right, Caleb, um, I have three points I want to make that, that aren't exactly rebuttals, just m- more just, like, uh, just re-emphasizing uh, some of the things you said. First of all, uh, I think that um, maybe the most... The, th- the thing about Bravely Second that st- stood out to me the most as it being a sequel to Bravely Default were those asterisk side quests. Um, the, the asterisks are uh, sort of a, I, I think of them, I think a, a classic feature of the Bravely games now. They're definitely in Bravely Default 2 as well, where they're, uh, where um, to obtain the, the 
different um, crystals that give you let you change jobs. The crystals are called asterisks. You have to defeat asterisk holders, who are humans that are for some reason two or three times the size of the player characters, uh, which I, <laughs> which I always uh, thought was an odd choice. But uh, and uh, and you know like defeat um, seeking out the asterisk holders and defeating them are a major part of the plots of, of both games. But in Ridley's second, uh, there's eight side quests where in each of them you have to confront two of the asterisk holders from Bravely Default and, uh, and basically choose a side. And, uh, and, when, and when, you, uh, when you choose the side of one of them, sort of the plot resolves in their favor, and you have to fight the jilted asterisk holder, and, and then you obtain their job. And, uh, and it, it sounds like you'll only be able to obtain half of the returning jobs that way, but that's not exactly true. There's, uh, you can get the, the other jobs you missed out on um, in the second half of the game. But uh, so so like that this song is the result of a musical one of those side quests is a is a really great choice for you Caleb and I appreciate it and second um, Rio's the only crime Rio ever committed was not being Revo and, which is totally unfair uh, like Revo's soundtrack is uh, beloved and he has um, sort of a cult fandom with his uh, with Sound Horizon in in Japan and him being re- the, just the idea of him being replaced for the bravely sequel was just was. Uh, uh, a major bummer for a lot of fans, but uh, but but Rio delivered a very good soundtrack, and again, the only crime he ever committed was not being Rio. To be fair, I would argue mm-hmm. that the only crime Bravely Second committed is not being Bravely Default. Yeah, I think that uh, some of the story choices it makes um, are are really really impressive, and uh, and I kind of li- uh, I, I I think I like um, Magnolia more than Agnes, which maybe that's that's, uh, that's controversial, but I thought Agnes got a little bit. A little bit annoying uh, with her sort of refusal to see the. Uh, I, I found I found Anya's frustrating and Magnolia charming. So that's I'm, a, a, I'm with you. Magnolia Arch is awesome. Yeah, Anya's is her characterization is a little bit flat, which is obviously not a problem with Magnolia. <laughs> yeah, like Anya's, like she does do a character. Uh, she has she has growth and a character journey. But the problem is that the the, the journey is not always fun with her. But let's focus on the music a little bit. The last the last point I wanted to make about your song choice, Caleb, is that there's a lot of um, vocalized songs in Bravely Second with uh, with um, lines from the voice actors of the main characters. There's the, there's that weird marching song by those by those two goofball soldiers that remind me of Salt and Pepper from uh, from Chrono Cross. You, you know who I mean. And, uh, yeah, I know exactly and, who you mean, but I can't remember their name off the yeah, top of my head. I, I, I can't remember it either. It's been five years, <laughs> but uh, but I also but they their marching song has like interspersed dialogue between them where they do like Osaka style comedy duo jokes, like like where where one of them asks the other one a weird question and the other one provides a straight answer and then the first one uh, does a ridiculous response. Like there's there's call and response and voice acted moments within the music of. Bravely Second that was not present at all in Bravely Default, and, and I think that's a uh, that's both a composition choice and sort of a humor choice by Rio. It's it, it, uh, it's one character of the soundtrack that makes it unique. Yeah, I think Rio does a great job of bringing the humor to his compositions, and you know I was kind of talking about him playing to his strengths. Definitely one of his strengths. Um, and then you know another one of his strengths is obviously the guitar riffs. He shreds. Our faces are melted in half the songs. Um, but I think the ones in this one are really, they're, they're not exactly subtle, but they, you know, they're, yeah, I'll just say subtle because I can't think of a better word, but I really appreciate them because it kind of bring this, you know, prepare for a lot of nautical puns, but ebb and flow to the song, um, hmm. rather than, you know, feeling overboard with the, 
the guitar solos, it just really works for this. And oh, then, the you know, like you were alluding uh, to, the the actual character vocalizing is just incredible. It's icing on the cake. It feels like, you know, I feel like a sailor. You know, I'm in love with the water, but she doesn't love me back. It's great. It's just a real mood. <laughs> oh, should we talk about our favorite nautical puns and favorite pirate jokes now? that Because, I mean, Barbarossa is almost a, a, uh, a cartoon RPG pastiche of a pirate. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I mean, and, you know, Barbarossa himself, the name, appears in, like, <laughs> half the RPGs I've ever played. Yeah, I think Barbarossa was, a, was like, a famous Ottoman pirate in the Mediterranean, uh, like, centuries ago. I, I, I might be thinking of Barbarossa. But anyway, um, do you know what a pirate, a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet is? I feel like what I do, pirates, What is a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? Second guess myself. <laughs> Correct. Um, uh, um, uh, what do you think it is? We'll say R. Uh, we'll go. You'd think it's the R, but tis the C. <laughs> Ooh, that yeah. was uh, that was mm-hmm. a turn that I did not expect. Yes, I'm both happy and angry. <laughs> that is the appropriate response, and our appropriate response is to uh, move on to the next so- song if we're ready. Or, or uh, um, uh, Jono, did you have uh, uh, thoughts on Grand Ship Sea Shanty? Yeah, I did. I just had. Uh, Go for it. First off, I think it's a great idea that uh, RPG fan is jumping on the current sea shanty trend that's going on. Yes, it was a, it was a coincidence, but I'm happy with that coincidence. Yes, for those of you who are living in the future, where we are all living in our own little our own little plastic bubbles, because how how else could this get worse? Uh, sea shanties were very popular, weirdly, at the beginning of 2021. There was a real trend going on. Um, but in this particular case, I actually, I like this a lot. And one of the reasons I like it is because although he is not, I wouldn't say he's the best singer in the world, but he has a surprisingly lovely, low, rumbling tone, Barbarossa, to his voice. Um, and like the song is full of passion and you can really feel that in the performance. I also like that they didn't bother, they didn't translate it into English uh, like they did with, uh, I guess, Love on the Crossfire in the first one, which is a some has some hilarious lyrics, but they kept it, they kept this uh, in its uh, Japanese uh, with its Japanese lyrics, and I actually really like that. Thank you, Jono, and, and thank you, Caleb, for those excellent song selections. But I think it's time to move on to the next block. Uh, we're starting off with my first choice for this episode. That person's name is, which is the asterisk boss battle music from Bravely Default. And uh, Caleb, you have the second choice in this block. Yeah, my second song is Theme of Altair and Vega. Uh, I chose this one just because I also think it plays to Rio's strengths, and I'm also, you know, I'm a sucker for a somber piano piece, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, so listeners, get ready for That Person's Name Is from Bravely Default and Theme of Altair and Vega from Bravely Second.
Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Rhythm Encounter. I'm Mike Solosi, and that's maybe a different mic than you're used to. Anyway, we're here today to talk all about the music of Bravely Default and Bravely Second. And I am joined today by first Jonathan, I'm uh, sorry, John O. Logan. Hello all, I hope you're doing good. And Caleb Curry. Uh, wait, uh, uh sorry, hi. Alright, uh, great to talk to you, Caleb and John O. I haven't... I, man, I haven't uh, spoken to you guys in, it, it feels like, weeks. Uh, Caleb, you've been on a couple episodes of Retro Encounter, uh, including the Radiant Historia episodes a while ago, but this is your first episode of Rhythm. Welcome to Rhythm Encounter. Thank um, Yeah, th- thank you. Yeah. I, sorry, I'm getting this weirdest, weird, this weirdest sense. Yeah, y- you know, I was going to say that this is the first time I've hosted an episode of Rhythm Encounter, but... I could have sworn that I, you've hosted... I'm, um, yeah, I'm having second thoughts here. I have I have a spreadsheet of all the podcasts RPG fans ever made, but oh no no this this is my first one. All right, the spreadsheets don't lie. Of course, anyway, you have a spreadsheet. Um, 
Of course, you have a spreadsheet of every podcast. I, I do. Just... No, I, I have a, I have a spreadsheet of, of every retro and rhythm encounter, and and even spreadsheets of uh, my class builds in uh, in Bravely Default and Bravely Second from way back in the day. I, I, I'm 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 zero percent joking, listeners. I I love organizing things and putting, making things into lists or spreadsheets. But oh, yeah. uh, speaking... I've got some real mm-hmm. in depth uh, iPhone notes in my in my phone about my my party setup. Oh God, you should see the. Conservatively speaking, six or seven uh, ones I have dedicated just to Disgaea games. But anyway, we're not talking about Disgaea. We're talking about Bravely Default and Bravely Second. And uh, just before our intro, uh, listeners, you heard that person's name is from Bravely Default and theme of Altair and Vega from Bravely Second. So let's uh, let me launch into some uh, some that person's name is. uh, Jono and Caleb, I could not let this podcast happen with at least one battle track from Bravely Default because there are, I think, five or six of them, and they are all go so hard. Uh, uh, Conflict's Chime is the sort of regular battle theme. The the uh, fi- the two battle themes for the last major co- uh, encounters of the game are called Wicked Flight and Serpent Eating the Ground, and I love all three of those songs dearly. But that person's name is is another sound, uh, standout one of them. It uh, is basically rock instrumentation with then the, the violin carrying a lot of the melody uh, as they go into the, uh, again, a, uh, a motif vaguely reminiscent of the main theme of Bravely Default. But it it just goes so hard nonstop. The, uh, the drum beat is a, is a like, cons- consistent, it's either two or two and four or off beats, like a... Like like non uh, nonstop going that just delivers tremendous energy the whole time, and uh, because uh, it, it's the battle theme for asterisk fights, and those asterisk encounters are among the more interesting and challenging of the game, and give you uh, job uh, jobs as as a reward, which is maybe the most the, the, the most rewarding gameplay mechanic that uh, that you can get out of Bravely Default. That uh, the, the song has um, has sort of story weight and. And a lot of drama um, as the as the phrase as the phrases change and the melodies exchange between the violin and electric guitar, and it it I, I mean I've said this like three times already, but it uh, hmm three times Wait, have I huh I feel like I'm doing things in threes today weird but uh it, it, like it just goes so hard even though I've said that over and over I I love this song I I agree one hundred percent I mean the song. The song rocks. Every time you hear it, whenever you fight a new Astrid Holder, it's just like, oh yeah, here we go. Um, it's, I guess, how can you, I, I guess this is a slightly overused word, but there's something that's super hype about it. It just, like, the second you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, here we go. And that feeling just builds and builds and builds throughout the entire, throughout the entire song. It's, this game does, I mean, Revo does as well, but like, this game does fights really well. And boss battles really well. It's not just, it's not just a single move that happens uh, throughout the entire thing. It actually takes you on a journey through the fight, um, especially in like the very the last boss theme in Serpent Devourers the Horizon. Like the entire thing is structured and it brings you through an emotional journey by itself. And this song does too, and actually to a slightly lesser extent than the final boss theme, of course. But yeah, I. Uh, if I ever need to get like pumped up when I'm working on something, or if I'm, I'm writing something and I'm feeling a little bit stuck, putting a song like this on really does uh, help push me forward. There, uh, like if you make a, a personal playlist that's just the bravely default uh, battle music, you're, you're in for a pretty good time. And uh, we, we mentioned, I think, um, the final battle. I called it "Serpent Devouring the Ground," and you referred to it as uh, "Serpent Devouring the Horizon." There are a lot of alternate translations 
to the uh, uh, to the songs in the Bradley soundtrack. I think I think because it had like an official English release, but then a, a an English language release in Asia that had slightly different translations. That's why um, uh, ship soaring across the heavens, I'm um, ship soaring through the heavens. Sometimes is uh, is, sh- is translated as ship racing across the ocean. It's a, uh, or no, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, no, I was wrong. Um, boat traveling, uh, boat traveling through the heavens. I think. Yeah, but boat traveling through the heavens. That's it. But again, I'll, I'll, we might accidentally use alternate translations uh, throughout this podcast, and that is that is the internet's fault and not our individual faults. Yeah, this is what happens but, when you uh, put this is what happens when you put a title through like Grammarly. You end up with the Horizon Devouring Serpent. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Caleb, what are your thoughts on uh, that person's name? Is yeah, you know, just kind of echoing what you guys were saying. You know, it's it's a battle theme. It's one of the best battle themes I've ever heard. Um, and just kind of speaking to the fact that it's specifically for asterisk, asterisk boss fights. I keep struggling with that word. Um, you know, it makes these boss fights inherently rewarding. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys can echo this, but sometimes handheld games can get a little... You know, I can get a little absent-minded when I'm playing, and as much as I love this game, you know, I'm still guilty of it in this game occasionally. But the second this track kicks in, I am, like, alert, I am invested, I am ready to fight. Um, and it, it's it's just, you know, you, you see that with a lot of the track. It, it's just a beautiful thing, and, you know, I don't know too much about instruments. You know, as much as I love this soundtrack, I'm not, you know, I'm not familiar with a lot of musical terms, but um, just the way the... You know the orchestra, specifically the violin and the you know electric instrumentation, kind of blend together. It almost feels like you have this electric guitar, which is you know, as you guys said, it goes hard, it melts my face. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, Revo and Sound Horizon—they use every single part of the damn orchestra in all their concert in their uh, compositions, um, because I mean, again, there's a. A, a lot of strings in that person's name is uh, the melody is carried by uh, I, I think Brad I think trumpets in uh, conflicts chime that the main battle theme and uh, of course every it wouldn't be one of his compositions if there wasn't a lot of electric guitars and bass and percussion uh, I mean I mean I didn't mention it but in boat soaring through uh, boat soaring through the heavens Jono there's a very consistent eighth notes on bass going through the whole thing that really that really sort of anchor that song into it's a, into a into a fun tempo but so yeah uh that person's name is goes super hard and uses every single piece of the damn orchestra and it communicates the drama and stakes of those asterisk bots fights really beautifully it's a it's it's a killer track but speaking of killer tracks caleb your second choice for the podcast was theme of altair and vega which is, I would say, a slightly different tone from that person's name is? Uh, slightly, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like like I said when I introduced the song, this plays to what I believe to be Rio's strengths. Um, and, you know, it's first and foremost like a somber piano piece, and he just destroys it. Um, to, to give as much context as I can without going uh, giving you too much context, I suppose, um, this this song represents the relationship between Altair and Vega, um, who are just their lovers separated by uh, absurd circumstances. And as you progress through the song, you kind of feel um, the pain of Altair, who who has to live with that separation and you know reflect on it every day. Um, you know, 
as I thought about it more and more, it's just this beautiful kind of loop of a song. You start with this this sort of tinny music box sounding thing, which, you know, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but it immediately makes me nostalgic. Like, you know, I, it makes me think of, you know, being at my great grandmother's house, opening her music boxes over and over to listen to them. Um, and I think that was the intention. You know, it, it, it puts the listener in this sort of nostalgic mood, uh, you know, as Altair would be remembering his lost love. Um, and then, you know, we switch and we transition into the piano piece and, it, you know, it starts off somber. And while it doesn't exactly get exciting, you can kind of feel the energy build a little bit. Um, you know, perhaps he's moving from from sad memories to, you know, remembering the good memories. Um, but then, you know, that music box, box piece hits you. And, you know, suddenly you're nostalgic again and you're remembering the sad things. And it's just this endless loop of remembering you know people you've lost and the more i thought about it the more i was like yeah that's ex that's exactly what it feels like to have to remember that and you know the way this this song for me captures that feeling is really gorgeous uh personally the music box thing uh makes me instantly think of marl's theme from chrono trigger i was about to say yeah, perhaps one of the games that uh, that Bravely Default uh, and Bravely Second evoke when I um, when I feel like my nostalgia for 16-bit RPGs, and and second, I, I think it really does give you that feeling of longing and sorrow, uh, which is which makes sense in the context of the story of Altair and Vega, which is some second half of Bravely Second's uh, story spoilers that we shouldn't address, but the. Uh, like, like giving you the feeling of nostalgia when the player doesn't necessarily have nostalgia and that feeling of longing that's communicated by the character of Altair, I, I think is really successful in this song. And uh, we, we, we talk about nostalgia a lot in this episode, but like these games are designed to feel nostalgic, even though there isn't, you know, bravely, like there is no bravely nostalgia from 10 years ago because bravely is a relatively new series, but like giving you that feeling of, what's old interpreted by the new, uh, like creating a feeling of nostalgia when there is, when you shouldn't have one is, uh, is very powerfully done in these games. And theme of Altair and Vega does a really good job of it. Making you think like, 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 like making players like live in their own feelings and memories in, in a way that's, uh, that's really powerful. This is a great track. Yeah. And like, you, you know, you started to allude to it, but I forgot to mention it. This song plays before you know anything about Altair and Vega. And like, yes. you, you feel those emotions even without knowing anything about the characters. And I think that, you know, that really speaks to, you know, having nostalgia for something you don't understand yet. For me, I agree with you completely about the music box and, and Chrono Trigger. Like, when I heard this, my first thought was, I mean, I know that, that these games don't necessarily reference Chrono Trigger as they do Final Fantasy, but uh, the PlayStation uh, the PlayStation animated opening where it's panning over Chrono's room and it goes into the, it goes into the photo of all of the friends in your party, and that just the, the, the simplicity of a music box and the tinny sound of it boils down emotion in a way that not a lot of other instrumentation does and a lot of rpgs use it to incredible effect to uh stimulate that feeling of memory and the simplicity of memory like you just have really like i mean i have those moments in my in my mind where 
I have super clear memories of something, and if I had to pick a soundtrack for that memory, a music box would be kind of perfect for it because it's just like a nice, simple melody, nothing really going on under or above. It just plays a a pure, just a pure melody. And then, of course, this song picks up on that pure melody and builds and builds and builds uh, and makes it more and more tragic as you feel the emotions uh, come in through the other instrumentation. But at the beginning of it, it's just a pure memory to me. I completely agree. Let's talk about some memories of the future uh, and go into our third block of songs. Um, This time we're uh, going with remixes from Bravely Default from the... uh, uh, Lux and Dark Kiko and Lux and Dark Dai Kiko music collections. Uh, so, John, let's, uh, let's uh, have you introduce the first track. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this the, these albums are, in my opinion, brilliant, um, and they do uh, vocalized versions of all of the character themes. And I picked what is my favorite, which is "You Are My Hope," and that's Tiz's theme. So, this is a vocalized version of Tiz's theme. All right, and I picked the second half of this block, that is, and that is Prayer of the Vestal string quartet version from Bravely Default. And again, these are both the, uh, the Lux and Dark Kiko and Lux and Dark Dai Kiko arrangements. So listeners, please enjoy You Are My Hope vocalized version and Prayer of the Vestal string quartet version.
Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Rhythm Encounter. I'm Mike Solosi, and that's maybe a different mic than you're used to. And anyway, today we're here to talk all about the music of Bravely Default and Bravely Second, and I'm joined by my two fabulous co-hosts, John Jono. Jono Logan. Jono. It's, it, John, it's Jono. 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 Yeah, have, oh, hey, everyone. How you doing? Have I... I, I feel like I've made that same mistake before, but uh, you probably have. We've been on a few. We've been on a few before. Yeah. Yeah. Also joining John and I is Caleb Curry, and I was going to say this is your first time on Rhythm Encounter, but I could have sworn I've, I've said that before today. Yeah, I was. We, I was going to say we, that we too, but it feels like my like my third or fourth time. Doesn't make sense. We. We we didn't hang out like before we recorded, did we? No, no. It was just like just just our usual like fifteen twenty minutes before. Did you guys also have a dream last night about being slaughtered by a giant fairy wasp? Are we in a new game plus of Rhythm Encounter? I do vaguely remember a pillar of light. Huh. Weird. My I I have a tattoo of a five on my hand, but now it's a one. Well, that means there's one more to go. All right, that sounds good. Let's yeah, go. Let's, let's just uh, press on. Yeah, uh, let's power on through to the end, even if sometimes things feel repetitive. But I mean, we're podcast hosts, so we are definitely prone to repeating ourselves. Um, in a way, that's a little bit like Bravely Default. I mean, I mean, how many times do you have to go and uh, and 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 rescue the crystals from uh, from being besieged by monsters? Six. It's it's in the it's in the five or six range. But anyway, uh, listeners. Um, thank you for listening to five or six, a uh, range of five or six songs from Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Our last two are coming for our specific arrangements. And I'm, uh, and, uh, Caleb and Jono, please forgive me. I'm going to go into a little bit of, uh, of explainer, explainer mode here. Um, um, after Bravely Default for the sequel, which is the expanded version of Bravely Default that was the international release as well, um, Sound, uh, Revo's band Sound Horizon, with some other musicians, uh, went on a concert tour called Lux and Dark Kiko. Lux and Dark is the world that Bravely Default takes place in, and Kiko means diary or travelogue. And they called the group Linked Horizon because it was, uh, it was Sound Horizon plus special guests. And, uh, uh, so Lux and Dark Kiko was the name of the concert tour. Then they followed that with an EP release called Lux and Dark Shokiko, which is like small diary. And then eventually a fully formed album of, uh, the concert, of the concert, of the studio versions of the concert tracks, plus a few extra tracks called Lux and Dark Daikiko, which is Lux and Dark Big Diary or Lux and Dark Great Travelogue or similar. So anyway, um, what you just heard was, uh, You Are My Hope from Lux and Dark Kiko, the live, the live performance, and then Prayer of the Vessel from Lux and Dark Daikiko, the studio version. So, Jono, tell us all about You Are My Hope vocalized version. Well, I mean, in the game, if you, uh, I, I hope you've played it, and if you haven't, after this podcast, maybe you should, uh, maybe you should buy it, um, and give it a play. But the character themes in this game work a little bit differently than character themes in other games. Like, for example, in a Final Fantasy game where uh, when, uh, I don't know, uh, Terra does something, her theme might start playing in the background to underscore her journey. In this game, character themes only really kick in uh, when they activate their special moves in battle. Uh, and in this particular case, this is Tiz's uh, theme. And so when you activate his, his special move, this is the music that comes up. And as... The, there's a, uh, a a period that happens where all of your characters are buffed um, after you activate a special move. And the length of time is the length of the song. So 
I have always loved that the how they they don't provide a timer or anything. You know, you have you have the buff as long as the song is playing, and um, that's really really cool. Now this version is vocalized version from the live concert version uh, of this album, and uh, I I think her name is pronounced Mao M A O. Uh, and yeah, it, this is a little confusing because there's at least uh, four Japanese female musicians that go by Mao. It's uh, in- including one popular voice actress who was recently who recently had songs in Thirteen Sentinels Aegis Rim. But it's, this is not that Mao, and it's not the Mao that is a uh, 22-year-old Japanese pop singer either. This is a this is a woman uh, named uh, who whose stage name is Mao, but I'm not sure which Mao. <laughs> Whichever one she is, she has an al- she's an alto who can like blow an audience over with her voice her voice is freaking incredible she has an amazing belt her falsetto is just this it's beautiful and it she just touches it occasionally in this vocalized version and it's really really lovely um now i think that for me i mean the performance is amazing uh i think i don't there's a video version of it on youtube if anyone wants to go looking for it and uh i think my favorite there's some good choreo in this but she does this arm pumping thing for the bum 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 bum. she does this arm pumping thing throughout the entire song which becomes a little bit more than distracting but it just for me gets funnier and funnier the more she does it um (laughs) that's just something i that's just something i really like but the choreo that really gets me and it's reflected in the music and i think this is what i really love about um Revo, like his stage, his, I've never seen a whole bunch of them, but based on this, the staging is at uh, 3.35 of this song, 3 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, Mao goes down on her knees, and then she slowly is getting back up with the music as it builds up to the main theme of the song. And uh, you can, re- you don't need to watch it, you can hear it in the music. Like, if you're just listening to it at 3.35, you can visualize exactly what's happening and what the choreography and what the feeling of that is of building yourself back up and I, I think that is just so cool um, I did want to mention that I, I mean I know that we're talking about this specific song but I feel like we can kind of leapfrog this into talking about the character themes uh, in general which is something I've always loved about the character themes is the main instrumentation in all four character themes for all four main characters uh I always feel like the main instrument is an instrument that that character would actually play. Like, yep, they they do the Peter and the Wolf thing, where each character is represented by a specific instrument that carries the melody of that uh, theme. I, I don't remember what Agnes is is but uh, violin. for ring. A, okay, so is violin for Agnes, accordion for ring a bell, uh, um, soprano saxophone for Adia, and then this a uh, tin whistle, uh, some kind of Japanese flute for for Tiz. I think it's a tin whistle based on the the older gentleman who's playing it in the video of this song. <laughs> but I, I just I love that like you can just see Tiz like sitting on a rock, looking over a field, playing playing uh, a song on his tin whistle, and like violin perfectly fits Agnes's like beautiful and very like disciplined uh, personality. Adia playing a sax, just like really, just blowing the hell out of it, just really screaming into it. And I mean, ring a bell. Of course, ring a bell plays an accordion. I mean, even if even if he didn't play it in that, it would be like if he could play an instrument, it would probably be an accordion. That romantic. Yeah, if he didn't play it, you'd know he owns one. <laughs> yes, that romantic, romantic bastard. <laughs> My guess would have been a set of orchestral bells, but maybe that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> anyway, I think this is a an amazing uh, version and uh, arrangement of this particular theme. 
And uh, yeah, it, it was probably one of my favorite tracks uh, in this album. Yeah, I mean, I want to reemphasize the whole uh, Kiko set of albums is excellent. I One of my first... Uh, pieces for rpg fan was a review of the lux and dark daikiko album good review too and, i read it uh, earlier today oh well, thank you um but uh and it includes character themes for the four main characters and um the praline a mode uh love in the crossfire song that we've mentioned a couple times in this episode as well as bravely default's main theme there's a like a 10 or 11 minute track that is every single town theme from bravely default uh in a medley um, the special edition of the album has a, another medley called Pico Pico Battle, which is a like um, eight bit orchestration chip tunes of every battle theme in the game, and and, uh, and, and that that song rules. Um, but um, uh, Jono's choice was one of the vocalized versions of the character themes, and uh, everything you said is absolutely on point. Um, the there is a uh, like, like tremendous uh, power coming from these vocals. The uh, the singer is great. They they don't totally abandon um, uh, Tiz's whistle voice with a with a night with some nice solos punctuating it, and it's it's just a bigger production version of Tiz's theme, accompanied by a uh, by a great singer. Again, I'm not sure which Mao this is. I did a little bit of research ahead, but uh, it, it put me in in several different directions. Uh, definitely not helped by the fact I can't speak or read Japanese. That does tend to hurt the researching. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, uh, Google Chrome auto-translating for me only gets me so far. As many localizers have been recently discovering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, prior to the recording, I had never you know, heard of Kiko or Dai Kiko. Um, but hearing it now, you know, I echo everything you guys have said. It, You know, the, the track is already exciting and lively, and this somehow breathes even more life into it. Um, you know, especially her high notes. You know, she only hits a, she only hits the falsetto a couple times, but it's like, you know, I'm I'm like grasping my chest when she does because I, you know, I've lost my breath. <laughs> now that just makes me think of the uh, Destiny's Child song "Lose My Breath," which is which is maybe my favorite Destiny's Child song. Not a popular pick, but uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you are my hope. One of the better character themes in the game, and the, and the vocalized version rules. Although I think my favorite uh, character theme in the game is Adia's uh, "Baby Bird." Yeah, it rocks. Yeah, I'm a fan of it, Adia's as well. And you know, I hadn't thought about how like each of the like I knew they had the thematic instrument, but I hadn't thought about how that instrument also represents them. And now I'm just thinking about her shredding on the saxophone and laughing inside my head. <laughs> It's one. Of, it's a soprano saxophone, so it's one of the the shorter, skinnier ones that uh, that Kenny G plays, and uh, that yeah. Makes now it I'm even thinking more it. To imagine. Yeah, no, yeah, right. Now I'm thinking of like like Kenny. G, what would a Kenny G video game soundtrack feel like? Or what it's, would a deal look like with a Kenny G haircut? You know. I don't know. I can kind wow. of picture her father when she's very young, being like, "For your education, you must learn an instrument." She's like, "I want something loud." <laughs> no, 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 no. How about her father, when he was young and in a rebellious phase, wanted to quit being the uh, the emperor of Eternia and 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 just uh, you know play jazz saxophone? Ah, uh, yes, living his dreams through his daughter. That's the bravely prequel I uh, I, I want to hear. Uh, Square Enix, I know that you are a single person and listen to this podcast, so make it happen, please. But uh, let's move on to a different character, Prayer of the Vestal. 
is a very somber song from Bravely Default that uh, does a slight theme of Altair and Vega thing by uh, having the original version um, at least partially use a uh, use like a music box sound to play. Uh, it, I, I think this it plays with a couple um, uh, sort of one-on-one dialogues between Tiz and Agnes, and also if you use the event viewer feature in Bravely Default, this is the song that plays. But it's a very um, it's, it's a it's a very somber, very. Uh, uh, like very, oh, I don't want to call it like like romantic, but it's it's it, it's it's clearly like uh, people who are, uh, you know, uh, having a serious conversation, but also there's a, a there's like a romantic tinge to it. Like you can feel t- uh, Tiz and Agnes connecting as uh, as the song plays. Yeah, or but not this even version- like romantic, like even like just affection. Like you can feel the affection in the song. Yeah. Rom- romantic is too strong a word. Uh, affectionate might be, uh, I think, is a better choice. But anyway, this version from the Lux and Dark Daikiko album is done entirely in a string quartet, and it is maybe the most out-of-place song on the album, even more than that chiptune song, because it is just... L- like, every other one has full orchestra with electric piano and guitar and drums, while this is just four stringed instruments playing one of the... Uh, most low-key and low-energy songs from Bravely Default, but I just think it's gorgeous. Like, like the it's uh, beautifully produced, and they uh, take a song that's already a little slow and stretch it out even more. But you can still hear the uh, like the the Bravely Default main theme uh, buried in there somewhere, and it's it, it's I, I think it's maybe my second most listened to song on the whole album after after Baby Bird, um, uh, Baby Bird vocalized version. Uh, just because I am always just struck by the beauty of it, and whenever it comes up in my Bravely playlist, I have to let it uh, go through to the end. Something I really like about it is that uh, there, it takes a certain amount of, I guess, confidence as a composer and arranger to incorporate uh, non-musical aspects into a song or arrangement, and the, the storm sound effects, and like how the song ends with, yeah. there's the storm, and then it ends, and then you just kind of hear like, the aftermath of a storm, like with a silent field or something like that. It takes a lot of confidence to put that into a song, and it takes even more confidence and ability to make it fit and really uh, help with the uh, overall emotional journey that the song takes the listener on. But this song does it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it really stands out. You know, you were talking about how most of the tracks in bravely default are these massive orchestral compositions and how this one is just on such a smaller scale but just as powerful because of the you know that affection and that emotion it carries it's you know it just it, it just puts you in it just puts you in a serene state when you listen to it it's nice yeah and in the parts of bravely default where it happens it's usually on yes uh telling tiz about her mission with a very heavy heart and i'm not sure whether to like find it adorable or cry a little bit it's just um there's a sweetness to this song and a uh a calmness to this song that is uh, really effective and stripping it down to a string quartet for the arrange album when every other song on the arrange album just goes so hard was a a really brilliant choice and uh, uh uh listeners um you, I, I mean, I recommend searching for the Lux and Dark Daikiko album. It, it's again, it's not the live versions of the songs, um, but uh, it, it, that is a an excellent YouTube safari or an excellent uh, 
uh, download from darker corners of the internet or an excellent purchase from CD Japan, which is uh, which is uh, what I did after um, listening to the songs uh, digitally many times. But it's a, a, a one of my favorite arranged albums of all time from uh, from an excellent soundtrack. Uh, so I think we're done. It, you know, it's so weird. I feel like I've had this conversation before with you guys, but if if uh, Bravely Default had me play through segments of the game four times, then I think we can uh, play through sections of this podcast multiple times as well. What do you all, what do you all think? I think it was a fun journey. Yeah, I can handle it. It works out in the end. All right, listeners, uh, thank you for joining us on this journey through Lux and Dark. Um, and uh, I hope that you maybe sooner or maybe later enjoy a journey through the world of Bravely Default 2. Again, that game should be out by the time this podcast lands, but right now, uh, John O'Caleb and I are in a state of high anticipation of uh, of that game. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's not quite in our hands yet. Oh, you can bet that uh, soon after you listen to this podcast, if you want to listen to Bravely Default 2 and some analysis for it, give a listen to Random. We'll be talking about it. Oh, yes. That that game will appear in discussion in RPG Fan Podcasts in the future, but I can't say exactly when because I can't predict the future. But I can predict the future a little bit for Rhythm Encounter. Uh, in two weeks, our next episode is going to be Adventure Game Classics, music from classic adventure games, which I know is a passion of yours, Jono. Yep. I just You just said that instantly the theme from Monkey Island started playing in my head. And following that, uh, a few of my passions. In April, their, uh, Rhythm Encounter is doing two episodes, one on Final Fantasy XIV, which I have an embarrassing number of hours into, and a second about Nier uh, Replicant and Nier Automata, a series I am not quite as well-vested in, but, know, uh, but I'm aware of its musical excellence. So Final Fantasy XIV and the Nier series are coming in two uh, episodes of Rhythm Encounter in the future. If you want to reach out to Rhythm Encounter directly, the best way to do so is to email music at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG Fans message boards or Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter or Discord or Twitch with something appearing or streaming on those uh, different uh, phases of our brand every day. Uh, RPG Fan also has three other fine podcasts. First of all, Random, Enhou- Random Encounter, which is uh, co-hosted by Jono. Yep, uh, if you ever want to listen to it, we'd love to have you. Second is Retro Encounter, often hosted by me. Uh, that's a weekly podcast of a wide variety of topics. Coming in March, we're going to do episodes on Muramasa the Demon Blade and Crimson Shroud and more Final Fantasy XIV because we can't stop talking about FF14 on RPG Fan. Um, and the third podcast in the RPG Fan podcast family is our partner podcast, Phoenix Edge, which is hosted by Hat and Eric and is a weekly podcast mostly focused on current events. You can uh, review Rhythm Encounter and those other three podcasts on iTunes or Google Play or whatever podcast listening venue you choose. We love feedback. Give us all the feedback. Uh, listeners, um, no, I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking to listeners anymore. Uh, Jono and Caleb, let's talk to the listeners and tell them how they can uh, reach us more directly, starting with you, Jono. Yeah, so if you want to get me directly, you can fire me off a message at Twitter. Uh, it's uh, at John Logan, Or you can uh, send uh, me or Greg a message at podcast at, podcast at com with any questions or thoughts you'd like us to address on uh, Random Encounter. And Caleb, how can listeners reach you? You can find me on Twitter at fuffa 30 if you enjoy uh, Desolate Wastelands, because I've not tweeted a single thing. Well, we have a few weeks before this episode airs, so maybe you will have uh, a non-zero number of tweets by the time uh, listeners can hear you advertise your name. Yes, I um, will reach li- point three tweets. 
interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure what a fraction of a tweet would be. I guess that's something that's under 60 characters. But uh, listeners, if you want to reach me directly, the easiest way to do so is Twitter. I'm at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. You can also find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Monsoon Mike, and on... Uh, yeah, I guess you can email Solosi at RPGFan.com if you want as well, but I don't check that one quite as much. But uh, this is not quite the end of the podcast, gentlemen, because with Rhythm Encounter, we always pick a special bonus track to, with which to end the episode. And I thought it would be most appropriate, even though it doesn't have a real soundtrack yet, or uh, or maybe just the skeleton of a listing, but uh, Bravely Default 2's music is out there if you know where to find it. Uh, very diligent um, music aficionados uh, have ripped a lot of tracks from the Bravely Default 2 demos, and uh, you can find them on YouTube or elsewhere online. And going back to the Bravely Default and Second theme of, uh, or I should say system of uh, character themes used in battle with a specific instrument for each character voice, we have one of those character themes for uh, our outro track. This is Gloria's theme from Bravely Default 2's demo. And her, uh, her sort of, her representative instrument is the harp. And when it goes into the transition to the second half of the song, it makes me think of Sailor Moon. I, for some reason, I'm imagining, like, tuxedo masks strolling into the, uh, in, into battle accompanied by castanets when I hear the, the harp transition to the end of the song. <laughs> um, it, uh, again, maybe not the most highbrow reference, but it is the first thing I thought of. Uh, so listeners, um, please enjoy Gloria's theme from Bravely Default 2. And, uh, coming in two weeks, there's Adventure Game Classics on Retro... Wait, wait a second. No. I already did that. Huh. Is, have I, have a, are we in some kind of Groundhog Day loop? Nope. This time I Is think this... it's just you. Listeners, thanks for listening. Enjoy Bravely Default 2 and the rest of the Bravely series. Goodbye. Bye.